Hi, I'm James Kotecki. You're listening to the C-Space Studio Podcast. Interviews with technology, media, and marketing leaders from CES 2020. Hi, I'm James Kotecki, the host of the C-Space Studio here at CES 2020, and I'm very excited to be joined by Walker Jacobs, the Chief Revenue Officer of Twitch. Thank you hey, so much. Hey, how you doing, James? Thanks for being here with us. Glad to be here. So I imagine a lot of people here at CES know what Twitch is, but can we just start with having you define the brand? What is Twitch? Yeah, so Twitch is a live video streaming platform. Uh, really the primary use case is video games, and it's folks streaming themselves. Uh, playing games, but we're also in traditional sports and uh, entertainment and music. And it's a live platform, it's an interactive platform, it's a community-based platform, and it's uh, really all about the personalities and the content, and uh, that's what helps us resonate with so many young people. So give me some numbers. How, I know Twitch is huge, but how huge is it? Well, let's see. There's a few different ways to look at it. Uh, we have about 500,000 streamers go live on Twitch every day. Mm-hmm. It's about you know th- a little over three million every month go live. So that's like think of that as like individual channels. Mm-hmm. At any given moment of the day, any day of the week, there's uh, an, uh, about a million three people mm-hmm. uh, viewing Twitch, um, and uh, we've got uh, depending on the month somewhere between you know 16 and 20 million. Uh, people coming every single day, and on average they're spending 95 minutes on the platform. So the engagement numbers are, are off the chart. So if there's that many people streaming, how big is the average audience size? Are these niche audiences of really passionate fans, and, but they're relatively small, or how does that work? It's kind of all over the place. Um, uh, there's a lot of small communities. There's a lot of mid-sized communities. Uh, generally, it's a function of uh, how long the person's been on there and, and how good they are at it. We also do a lot of professionally produced content, so we have a lot of esports tournaments uh, with huge prize pools that are professionally produced, organized tournaments. Those tend to do huge numbers, you know, hundreds and hundreds of thousands, if not million plus live concurrent viewers. Um, but there's communities that you'll go on there and there'll be five, six, ten people. You know, um, and and for me, sometimes those are some of the funnest ones to go watch mm-hmm. because you're really able to interact with the streamer. And yeah. uh, there's the phenomenon you get the first time the television talks back at you yeah. is unlike anything. And and that's like the moment most people have this aha. Um, I get it. This is this is the future, yeah. and, and it, it's it's really kind of an amazing thing. Do you have a sense about why people come to Twitch to engage in this kind of activity as opposed to anywhere else they could be watching or creating live content? Yeah, I think it's the community aspect of it, and I think it's the um, the fact that it's like Twitch is built around live. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I think that some of the other services, live has been an afterthought, and live's been kind of an add-on. Live is at the center of everything we do, and so if you're a live streamer and you're trying to build a live live business, Twitch, I think, is a very natural home. So let's talk about how revenue plays into that. That's your title, Chief <laughs> Revenue Officer. Yeah. Um, how does revenue work, especially you know, with live being different than other ways that you could serve ads, potentially? Um, what are some of the challenges behind uh, creating a revenue model there? So luckily, we have a diversified revenue streams. Um, um, a big part of our success is making sure that streamers can be successful. So streamers uh, are able to sell subscriptions to their community, which is really, uh, it's, it's a way to unlock benefits, but it's also sort of a patronage model. Mm. The community sort of intuitively understands that this is 
how the streamer is making their money. Yeah. This is how they get paid, and it's a way to pay them back for, for all their work. There's also um, a virtual uh, currency economy called Bits, which is a way for people to tip and show their appreciation to streamers. Mm -hmm. And then advertising is the third piece. So just to sort of maybe unpack what you're asking a little bit, the only uh, streamers that are eligible to participate in the advertising economy are uh, affiliates and partners that are people that have an established um, business on Twitch. Yeah. And every single ad, that so they sign our terms of service. Mm -hmm. You know, we know who they are. And at that point, every single ad that runs in their channel, they participate in. Yeah. So um, it's great for the efficacy of the advertising in that... Um, the community and the consumers that are watching understand that the ads that are running on that channel benefit the streamer that they love. It's, um, it, it's, it's, it's explicitly spelled out that you know, this ad benefits the streamer on the channel you're watching and yeah. so forth. Also, because it's live, it, the ads run when a streamer is taking a natural break. We're not mm -hmm. disrupting the consumer from getting to the content they want to watch. We're not holding content back and making somebody sit through advertising. Yeah. It's much more like a live sports environment or a live awards show environment where when, they, when we go to ad break, there's nothing happening on the other side mm -hmm. of it. So it's not, um, it's not jarring and disruptive. And do you look at integrating uh, brands and advertising more naturally into the content, something that the streamer might read or do as an integrated thing rather than running an ad separately? Yeah, so... Um, we have a product that has evolved a bit. It's, it's, we used to call it Bounty Board. Um, uh, it's now it's like sponsored gameplay and sponsored trailer play. It's a way for game publishers and movie studios to get influencers and streamers to use their product and share their product with the community. So um, they get to sort of go in, if, see if it's a game they like, see if it's a movie they're excited about, see if it's a TV show they're excited about, and then they can take it and share it with their community and talk about it as a... Um, sort of um, paid content. Yeah, we're talking with Walker Jacobs, the CRO of Twitch. Um, are there IP issues involved in people playing other people's video games? So I guess to break this down, yeah. so you're streaming someone who you don't necessarily employ who's streaming a video game that you also don't necessarily own. No, right? definitely you don't definitely own don't own it. any of the video games. <laughs> so then how do you sort through all the IP content? Or, I mean, I assume all the video game developers and makers are kind of cool with this now because it's promoting their brands, but do you have to sort through certain things there? No, it's all fair use, and it's all... Um, I mean, these are, these are people that have either purchased the game or downloaded the game, yeah. and it's a streamer that's streaming themselves playing the game. Mm -hmm. And I, uh, I believe that all the game publishers have um, decided to embrace... Yeah. The, the folks that play their games and support them as opposed to uh, picking a fight with them and alienating them. Uh, 5G must be a big theme for you as you look to the future. Huge. It's huge. Um, so if you, if you look at sort of how Twitch has been built over the last you know, six or seven years, um, a lot of PC gaming is at the center of it. PC uh, consoles and streaming rigs are expensive. Yeah. Um, it's uh, sort of a complicated setup. So if you look at our audience and our viewership globally, it more or less loosely correlates to GDP in terms of sort of the concentration of audience mm -hmm. we have in a lot of these markets. Um, I believe the advent of 5G is going to open us up to all income levels, um, some of the second and third world markets where, where the, the uh, price point is going to be different. And even in markets like, uh, like the US, I just think it opens us up to all new consumers. And when you pair that with the fact that the game publishers, so many of them now are launching mobile-specific titles. So you've got PUBG Mobile, you've got Call of Duty Mobile, you've mm -hmm. got League of Legends Mobile, you've got 
Uh, I mean, the, uh, uh, all of these games are specifically built for a mobile environment. So, you know, on our Rivals platform, we're now launching and organizing mobile gaming esports events. And um, when you combine 5G with that phenomenon, uh, we see that being sort of a step change in our growth of, of both, both streamers and viewers. And what are some numbers on the growth in esports real quick? Oh, my gosh. Well, the number of titles um, that are participating is up. The number of tournaments is in the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. Um, the, several of the largest game publishers in the world have organized their own leagues. You've got Activision Blizzard. You've got Riot Games, which is League of Legends. Um, Epic Games, which is Fortnite, uh, had their uh, World Cup in New York this year, which is a if, uh, first for them, which was a huge success. Uh, and then you've got independent tournament organizers that are partnering with game companies, companies like ESL and others that are... Um, I mean, they're, we're selling out arenas. Uh, real estate and buildings are being retrofitted and built specifically for esports events. It is. Uh, so you're invading the physical world in a big it, way. It's very not just much online. so. Yeah. And and our brand partners love that. They're able to have physical activations. They're able to have, um, you know, and, and the players uh, and the fans are able to sort of interact both virtually on Twitch as well as physically at the events. Uh, they're able to do uh, product sampling and activations and so forth. Um, but really what they're getting from those esports uh, sponsorships, in my opinion, is access to IP, access to talent, entitlements, uh, category exclusivity, so that they're able to, to use that, especially for non-endemic advertisers, mm. to uh, have a reason for being in gaming and then to activate that more broadly on a platform like Twitch and others. One more topic I really want to touch on briefly, VR. Can I put yeah. on a headset and not just watch someone play a game, but be... As if, as if I am in the game with them, so to speak, is VR a, a game changer there? Uh, you know, I don't think VR um, exploded the way some of the hardware companies thought it was going to. There's a really fun game. I don't know if you've ever played Beat Saber. I know it, yeah. Yeah, yeah Beat Saber. So there are streamers that are streaming uh, some of these VR games, and it's kind of cool to watch. Um, it's still... You know, it's still not a huge thing, and, and it's something that, that we're not intimately involved with in Twitch. 2020 will be the year of blank, fill in the blank. <laughs> uh, well, I, th- I think it's streaming. Uh, and I think, it's li- I think it's live streaming on platforms like Twitch, but I also think it's the streamer wars. It's going to be really fun to watch that play out. As far as video on demand. Yes, yeah. yes. Walker Jacobs is the chief revenue officer of Twitch. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being okay. here. This podcast is in partnership with the iHeart Podcast Network.